So we've just had the 2023 autumn statement delivered by Chancellor Jeremy Hunt and clearly buoyed by the recent fall in inflation to 4.6%, a fall in borrowing estimates and an increased forecast for growth for this year, if not for the future, by the Office of Budget Responsibility. The Chancellor has announced a number of changes in what he has called his autumn statement for growth. These included some headline grabbing changes to national insurance for employees and the self-employed, the alleged largest business tax cut in modern British history and increases in the state pension and national minimum wage. And in today's Medics Money podcast, we are going to go through the changes announced by the Chancellor and how they impact healthcare professionals. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So I'm here today with my fellow accountant and Medics Money colleague, Andy Powell, who's no stranger to the Medics Money podcast. How are things, Andy? Yeah, great. Thank you, Ed. After a very exciting autumn statement, it's just about recovered now. It was thrilling. There, <laughs> My cats were watching it with me and both fell asleep or walked off during that. And obviously, normally you have Tommy on the podcast today, but you've got me today. So yeah, I thought we'd get into some of the detail regarding the autumn statement, you know, and, and how it applies to healthcare professionals. It was, you know, about an hour long from memory today. But there weren't a huge number of things in there that might pertain particularly to healthcare professionals. But just in general, Andy, what's your sort of general feeling about the auto statement? Do you have any general vibes about it? Any themes that you picked out? So, yeah, I mean, he made a big effort about 110 different changes to make businesses better. But actually, when you drill down into the detail, as ever with these things, a lot of these changes have been announced before. And a lot are also fairly minor changes to some very technical things that won't actually impact on on too many people i think for one example is the isa legislation there seems to be about 10 different points on the isa legislation and it's all really about tidying things up and making things better so from that viewpoint it's fine but actually you know the headline grabbing stuff was fairly limited yeah absolutely i remember the last autumn statement that he did so obviously last autumn i think that was his first and he said he refused to pull any rabbits out of the hat he was very steadfast against that and he said that they you know the the uk had enough of rabbits pulled out of the hat but of course today there was quite a, a big headline grabbing change certainly the focus of all the newspapers already pertaining to national insurance with changes announced to both the employees and the self-employed could you go through that for us andy Yeah, so quite sizable changes to national insurance. Just to recap, employees, so if you're a hospital doctor, for example, a hospital consultant employed, you pay class one national insurance. What they're doing there is there is a rate of 12% national insurance paid on income between £12,570 and £50,270. So £37,700 income gets the core rate of national insurance. And that's being reduced from 12% to 10%. So that is a 2% cut. Now, if you are a doctor earning above 50,000, that's a saving around about 700 pounds a year. So that's good news from that perspective. That is gonna come in from the 6th of January, 2024, which is quite an interesting date really. So it's been bought in before the beginning of the next tax year. And I think both of us at the time WhatsApped each other and said, oh, is there a spring election coming? Because they're, yeah, they're sort of bringing that, that refund in earlier. For the self-employed, so you're self-employed, 
GPs particularly. There are also changes and self-employed GPs pay or self-employed people pay two lots of national insurance. There's a class two national insurance and a class four national insurance. Now, class two national insurance isn't very large. It's currently at £3.45 a week. And so, you know, approximately it was going to go up to about £192 a year. Weirdly enough, that's always been the bit that's entitled you to all your state benefits, like your state pension. But what they're going to do is abolish that completely. So there'll be no requirement to pay that. And actually, even consultants, if you were employed as a consultant, but also had some self-employment alongside, you also paid a small amount of Class 2 national insurance, previously around about just over £80. So that's going completely. And the second national insurance self-employed people pay is a Class 4 national insurance, that's currently at nine percent, but the core level between again twelve five seventy pounds and fifty thousand two hundred seventy pounds. That's reducing by one percent to eight percent. That though is not coming into the sixth of April next year, so the employed people get it three months earlier, which is interesting. Whereas self-employed people are getting it in April, so I guess that won't please the GP partners out there again. So that that's coming in overall. It was, again, it was quite weird. And Jeremy Hunt made a big emphasis around supporting self-employed people who got us through the pandemic, etc. But actually, the reality is, if you earn above £30,000, you get more national insurance reduction if you're employed than self-employed due to the impacts of how they're doing it. But even so, you know, a reduction is a reduction, which is good news. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of what you mentioned for the employed people out there, employed doctors, if they earn more than £50,270, they're going to save around £750, I think it is. How much will the self-employed people save? How much will GP partners or local GPs, how much will they save? So if you're earning around £50,000, you'll save around about £190 on the Class 2 national insurance, around about £370 on the Class 4 national insurance. So £560, £570. So, you know, it's a good 200 quid lower than an employed person. Yeah, I'd say, you know, just well, on a related note, but an, an aside, you know, there are two things that are constantly banded around. So I know that the government have often in the past have mentioned about equalising the rates at which self-employed and employed people pay national insurance. I know that was Philip Hammond, if anyone remembers him when he was chancellor, that was his big plan. But obviously the government haven't done that. And actually they've, you know, reduced both rates. It's also interesting as well, I was always told when I was trying to be an accountant that class two national insurance it actually costs more to collect than it raised in revenue. So it always seemed a bit of a anachronism to actually have class two national insurance, but of course now it's now it's gone. Yeah, yeah it used to be a lot higher and they did, re- I mean, used quite a few years ago to the amount it is now. It's generally collected through self-assessment, so it's not a particularly onerous collection now. Albeit the, the weird thing is that you've got to have to pay class two national insurance to get access to all those benefits. So I think yes. what they're going to change is actually the access benefits side and just simplify it. You know, for a while now, you know, me and accounting colleagues have been saying, actually, there's no point having two different yeah. levels. You know, what? why do we need two and four? It means nothing really. So it's, yeah, it simplifies it, but is it going to make a lot of difference to people generally? No, not really in terms of their administration. Fair enough. So yeah, simplifies things, puts a bit more money into people's pockets, as you say, potentially before a spring election. Let's see. So obviously there were quite a few other changes and some that will perhaps affect more our patients than doctors. So for example, Jeremy Hunt announced today that the state pension is going to increase by 8.5% in April. Benefits overall are going to increase by 6.7%. There's also talk of introducing a legal right for workers, he said, to have a single pension pot for life, which is interesting, but 
presumably won't really impact directly on healthcare workers who are in the NHS pension. But there were, of course, changes to the minimum wage made as well, which might have more of an impact on healthcare. Can you expand on that a bit, Andy? Yes, yeah, so the minimum wage is currently £10.42 and they're you know, planning to increase that to £11.44 from next year, which is a 9.8% increase. And if you sort of look at backwards, 23-24, the current tax we're in was also a 9.7% increase. So it's been quite a sizable jump in uh, minimum wage over the last few years. Now, you know, that's obviously great for workers who are at that level because they're going to get a far uh, increased pay compared with where inflation is heading at the moment. It may have lagged behind previously, but at least for the next year or so, we foresee that their their rate of pay will go up more than that inflation, albeit actually people at the, the lower end of the pay grades tend to be affected by different inflationary factors. So things like food inflation affect them a lot higher, which is is still above the sort of core average. So, you know, from an employee viewpoint, that's really good. From an NHS employer viewpoint, and that's whether it's hospital trust or GP practice, it's not particularly good because overarching all of this is there was no announcement in the autumn statement around any increase in funding to the NHS. In fact, the document that sits behind it refers directly to the previous announcement that was made, and the government are sticking to that. They are not putting any more money into the NHS. You might not think many people at the NHS are employed at a minimum wage, and maybe you know some practices, perhaps in the south of England, they do sort of offer more local rates, which will be above the national level. But it has quite sizable implications in the, you know, even if you are not at the minimum wage, you're slightly above it. Actually, when they increase the minimum wage, you want to keep that differential in place. You know, so if you're on a very low banding, you know, I saw an example on Twitter X uh, yesterday of, um, I think it was a band two on £11.45 an hour. At the moment, it's £10.42 for the minimum wage. There's a £1 differential. Minimum wage goes up to £11.44. There's a 1p differential. So they're going to want to keep that differential. So it does move the inflationary uplift in pay isn't really just at the minimum wage level, it's above those levels. So from a trust perspective, you know, budgets are tight, if not very difficult to manage at the moment, that's going to put employment costs up. From a GP practice viewpoint, you know, it's been a massive topical issue at the moment in that the 23-24 uplift to the GP contract was below inflation and really didn't, in a lot of practices case, match what the government awarded as pay increases respect you know which were at six percent whereas the minimum wage is at 9.7 percent if we go forward a further year then actually again you know unless the gp contract gets uplifted to a sizable amount that differential is going to exist and i was just looking at this you know previously you know since the gp contract side of things that's currently under a five-year deal from 2019-20 to 23-24 over that period minimum wage has gone up by 33 percent Take into account next year's rise, that takes it to 46% since that new contract came in, whereas funding's only gone up by 19%. So it means it's a big difference, and there's a growing difference in that the wage cost, which is funded out of GP income, is growing at a far faster rate than actually GP income is. The implication of that is effectively the profit the practice earns, which is what the GP partners, is their take-home pay, diminishes. So... It's going to lead to, I think, some very interesting discussion, debates and concern within the GP profession at the moment. Mm. So what, what sounded when Jeremy mentioned it in today's uh, today in the House of Commons, sounds like, you know, 
purely sort of a good news item actually does have some wider ramifications within the NHS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, from an employee perspective and a low pay perspective, you know, it's good news and, you know, people will have more pay. And that, you know, as a society, from my viewpoint, that's the right thing to do. But unfortunately, it's the employers that are picking the bill up for this. The government aren't picking the bill up. And if the government don't fund its public services to to pick that bill up, then the shortfall comes out of, you know, again, in trusts, you know, it's not individuals, but it's actually what services they can offer in GP practices is ultimately in terms of what the GP partners are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they're interesting. Okay. And, you know, so we, you know, we've had a look through, obviously both Andy and I watched the, the auto segment today. Usually what also happens with the auto segment is it's not just an hour of Jeremy talking. They often will also put lots of detail on their, on the website, on the government website, lots of information about all their details. One thing that Jeremy mentioned today announced to uh, relates to being signed off work uh, when the Chancellor said, and I'm going to quote this, we will reform the fit note process so that treatment rather than time off work becomes a default. I did have a look through all the details online, all the documents that the government produced that accompany his House of Commons statement. I couldn't really find too many details on that change, but it looks like the government are going to consult on what changes should be made in 2024. But of course, this is going to affect not only our patients, but of course, doctors as well, such as especially GPs, such as myself, who will provide medfreeze or fit notes. But I guess the message I'm getting from Jeremy today and from the company statements are just watch this space because the changes are coming in terms of fit notes and work entitlement. But right now, there isn't a huge amount of detail to impart on this. In terms of the same today, of course, you know, there could be... A case we made for actually what wasn't said or what hasn't changed is equally important as what has been mentioned today. So what sort of things, Andy, sort of haven't changed? What sort of screaming silences are there that came out of the order statement today? So there's quite a few, really. Again, I'll just, you know, go back to what I said earlier. No changes to the overall NHS budget, which, you know, affects everyone working within the NHS. Secondly, no changes to the core tax rates. So the core tax rates being the 0% on your, your first £12,570. 20% tax rate, then a 40% tax rate, then the loss of personal allowance come at 100,000, and then a 45% tax rate, I think 125,000, or just slightly over 125,000. So no changes to those rates. But also fundamentally, the biggest problem by far is there has been no changes to the bands, the tiers that these rates change. So the tax-free personal allowance is £12,570. That is remaining the same. The 40% tax ban kicks in at £50,270. That's remained the same. You start to lose the child benefit at £50,000. You start to lose the tax-free personal allowance at £100,000. And all of these levels are remaining the same and remain the same still until the 5th of April 2028. So, you know, still a long way to go in terms of that. I mean, obviously, we've got an election coming up and any new government can do what it wants to once it's elected. But actually, the plan is, under the current government, is to keep those levels the same. What that has the effect of is something called fiscal drag. And what fiscal drag is basically means if your pay is going up, so if your pay goes up 5%, but your tax bands stay the same at 0%, don't go up, you will end up eventually paying a bit more tax through either moving into higher rates, so you might move from your 20% rate to the 40% rate, or the fact that your tax-free personal allowance is effectively diminishing over time with inflation. So all of us will end up paying effectively more tax over that period. 
So that wasn't discussed. It wasn't even mentioned. And we do have sort of cliff edge points where, you know, again, losing the child benefit or the 100,000 level, losing access to tax-free childcare or effectively the 60% tax rate kicks in there. They remain the same and, and, and haven't really changed for quite a considerable time now, particularly the 100,000 level. It's not changed for, you know, like it must be getting on for 10 years. So it just mean that actually just by that fiscal drag bit, everyone pays a bit more tax. And, you know, clearly that doesn't reach headlines that the government want to give out. They want to give out the fact they're cutting things, but actually they're cutting one side, whereas effectively increasing the other by stealth more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. These stealth taxes have been quite punishing. Yeah, I think even if you look at the government's sort of data, the government's graphs, I think it's still showing that the tax burden is, is due to rise, you know, higher than at any point since the Second World War. You know, overall tax levels yeah. are continuing to go up. Obviously, it would be even worse without these national insurance cuts that were announced today. But still, you know, fiscal drag, these stealth taxes are creating the, the, the kind of the highest tax burden since the Second World War. And just reinforces what we constantly say at Medics Money about the importance of making sure you know your, for example, you know your marginal rate. Because you say those cliff edges, that, that 50,000 where the child benefit starts to be clawed back, the 100,000 when your personal allowance or the tax-free childcare disappears and all these things are important to make sure you're fully clued up on because they haven't changed and there's no indication right now that they're going to change until 2028 at the earliest unless of course a change of government happens next year or the year after depending on when the election is i think there's also you know quite a lot of other things that haven't changed as well i mean there was lots of things in the press about potentially abolishing even inheritance tax or cutting inheritance tax which of course that hasn't been touched at all, nor have anything to do with any capital gains taxes and so on. You mentioned ISAs right at the start of the podcast. I think they've not changed at all either. No, so I mean, yeah, inheritance tax, no mention, capital gains tax, no mention. Just also no mention in terms of company taxation, the incorporation tax rates are not changed as well. We'll perhaps touch on one aspect of that in a second. But also, yeah, all your investment side of things. So, you know, your ISAs, your junior ISAs, your LISAs, your lifetime ISAs, they are all child tax funds they are all staying at the same level so they're not being increased so your ISA allowance is still 20,000 a year I think there is the, some of the, the detail is around more flexibility about moving funds within that ISA or investing within that ISA and giving a bit more flexibility which would be good but the overall amount remains the same as it does for all of the other sort of investment related products overall really Andy what are your main thoughts about today my main thoughts is it was you know to be honest it, it was what I expected we're coming to the end life of a government cycle so generally when we get to that point they try to have to spit out some good news and it really was a presentation of good news and things are improving albeit actually not from a very good position mm-hmm. the national insurance cut is you know to be welcomed all the increases in minimum wage and state pensions, etc., for those in receipt of it, is to be welcomed, which you know is good news. But it was very much glossed over. A huge number of changes to stuff, and actually, a lot of it really didn't change. It won't have too much impact on, on most people. Most the, the you know they made a big issue about are those of us that go to the pub and drink beer. Well, we can we can with the same rate of duty on that so you know it, i think it was getting quite desperate at that point in terms of where all these yeah. rates changes were but actually realistically you know what we tend to forget is actually you know we've come you know obviously you, you guys from the the clinical side you know know all the impacts of the pandemic but the pandemic did actually have a sizable economic effect on the country the amount of borrowing yeah. that we accrued over that pandemic period to support businesses and support people that couldn't work 
was huge and that has left us in a you know worse position than we were going into it significantly so the wriggle room for big cuts in tax isn't really there it's also you know quite difficult for them to try and increase investment albeit investment sometimes actually does bring benefits so you know that that probably depends on your political persuasion as to your views on that so but yeah overall it was a glossy sales pitch really pre-election which delivered small amounts but not very much yeah i, I think i would agree with that uh, you're absolutely right i mean the pandemic did absolutely blow a massive hole in the, the public finances which for many years now they've been trying to get to grips with and like you say some good news in there today from the national insurance side of things but yeah probably more Look, maybe more style than substance overall. But that's a great indeed. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for, for coming once again onto the Medics Money podcast today. And, uh, you know, always appreciate you coming on. That's it for today. Check out our, we're going to put this on YouTube as well. And also our blogs, our website. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, take care. And uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Hopefully with Tommy next time. See ya.